And that's why I created the Everybody Band, because I was in bands for a long time, and I didn't like the separation. And the reason I teach music and teach vocal opening is because I've had experiences where I've been with people who have never sang in, in their life, and they're like, oh, I'm not a musician. I'm like, oh, we'll see. And, and you start creating this, you create a container of, of, hey, anything goes here. There's no right, there's no wrong note. We're just expressing ourselves. And when people allow themselves that space, and when I create a place that feels safe and comfortable and open, the craziest things happen. People will have these full-on, like, angelic experiences where they're, like, having, full, it's almost like musical orgasms, and they're, like, singing and, like, expressing and opening their voice, and supposedly they're not a musician, they never sang. But I say, if you have a heartbeat, you have rhythm, and if you have a voice, you've got a song. Welcome back to another episode of Discover More. This week, we continue our conversation with Joshua Greenfield at You Enjoy Life. Joshua is a talented musician, author, home cook, natural lover, and barefoot advocate. He is well known on YouTube for his prior role in the food show, Brothers Green, as well as his current project, You Enjoy Life, which examines what it means to be and feel alive through food music, natural movement, and connection. This week's episode is part two of our interview, and we examine Yashua's philosophy around relationships, whether living in relationship with nature, self, or other humans, it's important to look through the lens of resonance, that is, the felt sense of energetic connection and what feels right. We go on to discuss music and Yashua's journey as a musician, his current project, you and the Everybody Band aims to facilitate connection through shared musical experiences and improvisation. He also teaches clients to sing through a unique vocal opening process. He shares several powerful stories which beautifully illustrate this voice activation process as well as the healing power of music and the importance of staying open to what life has to offer. Stay tuned until the end to hear an incredible piece of music performed by Joshua on cue. We are so excited to share this episode. Thank you for listening and discovering more with us this week. Thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Discover More, where we strive to accelerate the learning process together through intentional dialogues. My name is Benoit. And my name is Aiden. This podcast was built on the foundation of approachable guests, synthesized experiences, and relatable lessons that will help you grow throughout your journey. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you enjoy and continue to discover more. If you were to see my garden now, I have six or eight areas throughout the property where there's plants growing. And they're all wild. There's no cages, there's no protection. Any other neighbor that I look at, they have cages surrounding their gardens because they're like, well, you got to keep, there's bears, there's mountain lions, there's squirrels, there's birds. There's, we have flocks of deer come by every day and they just eat whatever they want. But more in a concept of connection, the permaculture is you grow enough for everyone because you're not just growing for yourself. You work with the natural habitat. You don't just wipe out an area and say, this is my garden. I'm going to force plant these things that don't want to grow here. You find out what works with the local things that are native here. And instead of 
protecting stuff. I just let it grow. So a deer the other day ate my pepper plant. I'm like, all right, cool, the deer ate the pepper plant. And what's amazing though is the way I'm growing is so few things actually get eaten. We go back right back to impermanence in Buddhism. Because my relationship to them isn't this is mine. I'm not attached to this. It's the same in a romantic relationship. I can look at my partner and say, she's mine. And like, you know, and she needs to be this way because when she is this way, then I get X, Y, Z. Or I can just love her for whoever she is in that moment. You know, so when I'm gardening, I'm looking at my relationship to these plants. I don't own these plants. I get to tend to them. We get to work. They're healing me as much as I'm helping them and watering them. And that became very clear one day when I was just really tuning into these plants and looking at them and, I was like, whatever you guys need, just let me know. Just give me a little signal. And they do. I'm no expert gardener. I'm learning new things every day. But I'm just like, whatever you need, just let me know, and we'll kind of go from there. And we learn together. And so I get to cultivate this relationship, not just through reading a book. I've read many books, and I've watched many YouTube videos. But at the end of the day, all I can do is go out there and just tune in and learn and observe. And it's the same thing with bare feet. So that I can watch videos on technique and I can just be thinking about my technique and I can be helpful and also I have to just tune in and just be really present with how are my feet feeling, how's my body feeling, do I need to shift this, do I need to be more light on my feet and that spills over I think to anything. Yeah that's an amazing point that you just made of that those internal questions applying to any situation. Uh, the idea of, of relationship really just came up for me and I think that's kind of a place I'd like to double click on a little bit of cultivating relationship because I think that's something that everyone thinks about, right? We're all here to connect with other people, um, both in a friendship sense, a romantic sense, human connection, at least for me, is what this whole human thing is all about. And one of an idea that a friend shared with me recently, it's that the assumption of connection is a prerequisite for compassion, right? So compassion is basically recognizing the connection between two people or two things and I think that speaks to the example that you made of relating to people or relating to things. The moment you put them into a box, give them a label, that relationship kind of leaves. So how have you thought about relationships in terms of cultivating them in your own life or even how they've shifted since embarking on this whole spiritual quest and journey? Relationships, you know, something that really hit me last year that, that kind of expanded my mind a bit is... And I've had this happen for many, many years where I'll have a friendship and I'll lose touch with that friend. I don't know if you guys have these experiences where you meet someone new and you're like, you really remind me of so-and-so. Maybe it's a vibe, maybe their eyes, whatever it is, there's something about them that's like, reminds you of that old friend. And what I always see is like this new friend coming in that has a similar energy to an old friend. It's like the old friend, but they've like evolved or changed or they've grown in a way that I'm connecting with them anew. And there's a familiarity, like maybe we have a similar like comedic timing or like we have similar interests, but now that they've evolved and they're in this different place and I've evolved and changed, we can both connect. And so I started looking at relationships and friendships more on an energetic level. And I know a lot of people that get stuck in these relationships like, oh, I got this friend and you know, I've grown so much and they're just the same and they suck. And, but like, I feel bad and I like, I like, I love them. But they also just, when I talk to them, they just bring me down and it's like, I just don't know what to do about it. And it's really hard because we don't want to let, most people don't want to let people down. They don't want to like ditch their friends. And it's like, well, we've been through so much together. I look at it more on an energetic level where I'm like, that represented something really beautiful. And maybe energetically that time is over. Nothing against that person. 
And in fact, maybe in the splitting of this energy, who knows what's going to happen to them? Maybe something will shift and then one day we'll reunite. I don't know. But it's in the letting go of the idea that they're this specific person and I need to be something for them and maintain some relationship, even if energetically it's over. And when I let those things go, I make space for other energies, other frequencies to come in. And in that way, you know, I can have a situation where some, I'm struggling with someone or there's some force or energy that I'm not feeling good about. And if I make it about the person, it's easier to become attached to it. But if I say, hey, you know, it has nothing to do with them. Maybe their energy just doesn't resonate with mine. That doesn't mean they're bad or they're wrong. I don't make up a story and attach all these things. I just say it's, we don't resonate in the same field and that's okay. And it just makes it easier for me to let go of those things. Likewise, I can really look at the people in my life that I do really resonate with and I can be in that state because so much of it comes back to resonance, right? Like my, my partner, Aja and I talk about this a lot. Like what is the resonating core people that you're around like what is that what are you really resonating so that you actually feel like in connection with them and it's in having that that we can build from there and I feel the same way when it comes to nature nature isn't random it's like I feel like this is my community it's friends like we're all supporting each other yeah I really appreciate that approach right because it's almost celebrating the relationship for what it was at that specific time that's one of my idea that I really relate to is that things aren't inherently good or bad but rather serving or not serving and I think that kind of gives both nuance, context, perspectives for how variable and, I guess, fluid all of those ideas can be. When it comes to relationship, I think you just introduced a good idea around, like, letting go and resonance. When it comes to resonance, you know, I think we both relate to what you just said, kind of have been thinking about some of those ideas just from an energy perspective. But really, for maybe some listeners that might not be as familiar with these ideas of resonance, alignment, just this energy perspective around relationship. I was wondering if you could maybe define resonance and then even speak to how you've built or changed your own resonance over the last few years. Yeah, maybe I can give this Tarzan Tuna be a good Ooh. example. Um, if you think about like uh, energies and frequencies, it's just like vibrating fields, right? So if I play an A, it makes a sound, it resonates, it makes a certain sound. Now if I play A, and I play that with another note, right? So now I'm playing that with an F sharp, right? And what's happening is those two notes are resonating together and they probably sound pretty pleasing to your ear, right? Now if I play it with a different note, see how it changes the tone? It's a different type of resonance. It almost can sound a little bit off. It's kind of like, you know, almost minory, sad, and then go back up. And so the same works with like chords, right? If you play, you know, it sounds really nice because it's all those notes resonate really well together. So like to your point, it's not about good or bad. There are sounds that might not sound good together, and you're gonna feel it in your body. It doesn't mean it's wrong or bad. It just doesn't feel maybe the way that is serving you in that point. You can look at resonance as though we're, if we're all made of energy, and maybe this is like esoteric and out there, but as humans, we think that we like have these physical bodies, just like we think we have this physical, tangible self, but we're made of a frequency and energy and, and we're just vibrating things existing as potential. And as we come into a state of resonance, we feel something. 
So the physical manifestation of who we are is almost like the internal experience coming out. And almost like, uh, the, you know, if you look at the matrix or if you talk about uh, holographic theory, if you know much about how that works, the holographic theory of the universe is talking about how like we exist in a hologram, that every piece of a hologram contains the whole of hologram. And the idea is that everything's completely connected. And this goes back to Buddhism. Science is kind of now discovering this in like quantum physics and how things come from like explicit into the implicit. They come from like possibility, like we're a wave of potential. And then we actually zap into potential and create this like solid character. So we can see things and say, okay, that's solid, that's you. And we can hold on to that. But that's not the actual reality of what's happening. That's just how we're experiencing it. Just like a movie, you can watch a movie and see a character and say, okay, they're a character and that he's the funny one, you know, he's the weird one, he's the smart, whatever the thing is. But those are just characters on the screen. And the minute the movie's over, they're no longer, they don't exist. So I see people like that. I can like try to hold on to them for a moment, but rather I like to be in the experience of who they could be in any kind of possibility. Which brings me to the most important thing in my life, which is really music. And that was the first thing that showed me that there is a type of communication that you can experience with other people that is beyond words. That's a feeling. When you resonate with other people, the reason I created the Everybody Band is because I saw the separation between I'm a musician, I'm not a musician. If you go way back in the day, go back to tribal world, people would come together. Music was for ceremony. It was for celebration. It was for connection. It wasn't, this is the song I wrote. You know, I want to sell a million copies. And, and again, I love band, understand the purpose of that. And I think like writing music is beautiful and capturing it. But on a very basic level, people would just get together and they would chant or they would play the drums and they would connect and experience something so much greater than themselves. And it's in that resonance that there's this beautiful magic that happens because you're not trying to relate through the mind and the intellect, but you're, you're resonating on a certain feeling. So what I look for in my life is like, who am I really resonating with in that level? Maybe musically and maybe in other ways. And it's not just people, but it's places and foods. You can look at food in that way. You know, what does my body like feel when I eat something? Because I can get all deep into diet and cleanses and all these different, there's so, right now it's like, there's a million different things you can eat, should eat, shouldn't eat, and it's changing every day. So what I do is I like just focus on the energy of how I feel when I eat something. And if I'm in the right resonance and I'm like mindful of what I'm eating and I'm in that state, my body knows whether it needs that thing or not. That's a beautiful question to ask, whether it's to your point, food, a new environment, a new person, but how does this make me feel? Really bringing that awareness to how the body's responding to the external environment. And I think to music, you just brought up a really interesting point which is where I kind of would like to go next. And it's just the music industry as a whole, right? You alluded to the beautiful ceremonies that music culture has kind of led in past experiences. And I feel now that there's almost a bit of a pedestal for music and musicians because it is such like an inspiring and cool thing to do. You know, I've grown up going to live music shows, love, you know, musicians and just kind of like the whole glamorized lifestyle, I guess. I mean, I don't, relate to the glamorized lifestyle, but it seems that music is put on a pedestal, which for me entertains a paradox between your point of music bringing people together and that like intersection of humanity versus a pedestal, right? If musicians are say cooler than the people watching their music, there's almost a separation and separation then leads to the lack of closeness or the lack of connection. 
So how do you relate to that, both being a musician and even seeing how the music industry operates? Yeah, I mean, it was big, having been in a band for 10 years and still, like, I still play and perform, but like in that industry thing for 10 years. When I first started playing music, it was just the purest, most wonderful thing. I was not talented, I was tone deaf, I couldn't write songs. It took me a long time to get develop confidence in my voice and my songwriting and all these things. But I was around someone that was confident and we just worked together and we used to just play and it was like uninhibited. We would just write songs and try out things and there was no idea of how long a song had to be or structure. We sometimes would write a song that's like eight minutes long with like seven verses, you know, just all kinds of weird instruments that we could never pull off live and we just played for fun. But then we moved to New York City and then things started changing and, you know, suddenly you get a manager and agents and record labels come into play and next thing you know it's like your song needs to be three minutes and you gotta dress like this and you gotta this guy can't this and when I perform when I play something takes over me and I just fully express like in my dance and my body and my movement and I just love getting people you see like a hipster standing there at the, at the bar just kind of like you know <laughs> arms crossed and my always go I would focus in on people and I would just try to get them to just feel free that's something Jim Carrey says with comedy, like he just wanted people to feel freedom from concern, like that feeling of just like, I'm just here, I'm laughing. And for me, music was like that. I just wanted to share this sense of like, hey, just, just be, I'll be weird, super weird, so that you can also be weird too, and just like let yourself free and see what then comes from that state. Early on, one of my favorite bands was Fitfish, and Fish was like big into the improvisation, kind of the Grateful Dead, like jam music, improvisational music. And every show is different. You never knew what was going to happen. And it was in that state of just like anything's possible. And we're the ones playing the music, but the audience, like your energy is 100% part of the experience. That's why every fish show is different because they're feeding off the energy of the audience. They're taking away that separation. They're saying, this is my role in this. I'll study the guitar, write the songs, but you're going to show up and you're going to dance and sing and cheer, whatever the things are. So. What I've come to see with music on this bigger level is that if I, you know, you go to like a Taylor Swift show, I've never been to one, but let's say, excuse her for example, um, hope you don't mind Taylor. Uh, <laughs> I think on a superficial level, there's Taylor Swift, the pop star, and then there's audience of people that love her and cheer and go crazy. But I think there is always something happening on a deeper level that there is a sense of connection. People might not be fully aware of it, but I think it's like you go to a concert and whether YouTube, Bon Jovi, Radiohead, like there's these moments where people feel greater than any one thing, where it's like you're at a concert and you're singing the lyrics and you look around and there's 20,000 people there that you've never met, but somehow you're all part of this resonating field. And it's like beautiful and wonderful. And I think music like hits those moments, even the most superficial, popular, whatever music, generic music, I think still has the potential to hit those beautiful moments where it can relate to you. That's why we, we feel something. It's like that song just hit me in a certain way. It's like, oh, it just hit me in my heart. And some musicians are definitely better at it than others, but all music speaks to people. That's why they like it, whether it speaks to their bodies, their minds, their hearts, you know, it's almost irrelevant. So I think people do, like, they don't fully maybe understand it. I don't mean to generalize people, but a lot of people that would go to like a Taylor Swift show or whatever, I think they do feel that magic. They just can't fully contextualize it because their ego is still in the state of, I'm fan, she's Taylor Swift. Oh my God, I'm freaking out. You know, <laughs> I gotta read the gossip magazines and all that stuff. But what's cool to me is like, 
if that person were to explore that a bit, they might start to see, oh, wow, there's something to this music thing. And that's why I created the Everybody Band, because I was in bands for a long time, and I didn't like the separation. And the reason I teach music and teach vocal opening is because I've had experiences where I've been with people who have never sang in their life, and they're like, oh, I'm not a musician. I'm like, oh, we'll see. And, and you start creating this, you create a container of, of, hey, anything goes here. There's no right, there's no wrong note. We're just expressing ourselves. And when people allow themselves that space, and when I create a place that feels safe and comfortable and open, the craziest things happen. People will have these full-on, like, angelic experiences where they're, like, having, full, it's almost like musical orgasms, and they're, like, singing and, like, expressing and opening their voice, and supposedly they're not a musician, they never sang. But I say, if you have a heartbeat, you have rhythm, and if you have a voice, you've got a song. And it doesn't mean you need to pursue, I'm going to write a song and make money and that's going to be my life and I'm going to tour. But the benefits of just recognizing that you have music in you, you're made of music, your vibration is such a game changer. So it's just the fear that's holding people back. And when you get into a circle and you start playing music with people that have never played before and they start performing or singing or whatever, it's all I can feel is like love. People often after workshops, they're like, I feel like I'm best friends with everybody. It's like we just did something so intimate together and we didn't even have to say a word. Yeah, that's uh, that resonates with me very deeply, even though I, it sounds like I'm one of those people could use your vocal coaching help because my I'm a Korean as my ethnicity. And as you may know, karaoke is a center root of our culture. But I hate karaoke because the only time I shine as a singer is in the shower with the curtain closing by myself. But I am also nearly tone deaf and I just don't have a lot of confidence. So just hearing your statement about if you have a heart, you have a beat. If you have a beat, you have a rhythm. If you have a rhythm and a voice, you have a song. I've just never seen anyone put or shift my perspective like that. And if you say it's not about you instilling confidence in me, but you just helped me shed away a layer of disguise that I thought I had. So that's really resonates with me. And you know, I think a layer deeper than that is I personally view or I, I perceive or I call the holy trinity of cultural breakers or any icebreakers or what allows you to penetrate through culture is music, sports, and food. And of course, sports has that competitive bloodlust, which really attracts people and people gravitate for different sports. And of course, it has an immense power to unify people, but also it divides people. That leaves the holy trinity to music and food. And I view, I'm a huge foodie. I love watching food documentaries. Because I do personally view food and music as two amazing vehicles for storytelling. Or a lot of musicians, even though we are talking about Taylor Swift on a superficial level, a lot of her songs or any songs or any musicians across generations, across time and culture, they're all telling stories or they're telling parts of their story through the expressions of the vehicle of music. Likewise for food, same thing. The chefs are using the harmonic relationship of ingredients to express themselves, right? So, and of course you embody those, both of the identities of music and food. So on that note, I'd love to ask you about some of the resonance, some of the most impactful moments that you experienced when you created this space to welcome those people into this space, to share this chanting, to share this music with you. What are some of the moments that really resonated with you and anything in between? Yeah, um, a dear friend of mine, she was my neighbor in Brooklyn and we had a really special relationship she just lived next door 
and we lived in this big building and we had very separate lives. We barely even spoke that much about things, but when I met her, she was going through some health issues that she didn't discover until many years later. She went from being very active and physical to just basically barely being able to walk much. She could walk a few blocks and then she would get really tired and just having a lot of physical pain and stuff. I told her the story about how Ringo Starr from the Beatles, like for a large part of his younger life, he was like in a hospital bed. And he used to take the like little like pieces of wood with the, like the long Q-tip kind of things and he would like drum and in bed, just like drum beats and whatever music's on the radio. And he would just drum all the time. So by the time he like got out of the hospital, he like had this sort of skill. And she really took that to heart and she's like, oh, I learned guitar and just like, it's, I don't need to put that much energy into it. And so what happened is like, most nights after work, she would just come over and we would just sit there for hours and play. We, we wouldn't, like, how was your, it wasn't like, how was your day? What's going on? You know, are you dating? It was just like, we would play and just have this really deep connection. And her voice was like a, an angel. Like she had never sang before. And the first time she sang for me, I was just like in total shock. And maybe she sang like, but she didn't consider herself a singer or like anything, but she just had this presence to her voice that was beautiful and to the point where it wasn't just me other people would hear her sing and just be like oh you know just give you chills and like make you cry we just developed this really special relationship that was through music and a lot of things came from that a lot of like emotional releases because sometimes you know you'd be i would take someone into a music studio and we would just jam and play and they would start singing something and like something like a repressed memory be sang and suddenly they start break down crying and they realize that like you know, they had this really deep traumatic experience happen as a child and that they weren't able to express it until they were in that state. So music is medicine. You know, when I left my band, I started started studying vibrational healing and sound medicine and what that could be. And it started showing me this whole other layer of music as therapy and music as medicine. And there's a lot to be said about that and there's lots of intricacies and different ways to go about it. But on a very simple, practical level, getting to see someone sing for the first time or drum and then like not wanting to put it down. I love, to me, that is everything. And, and one example that kind of ties in food and music and I was walking home one day, you know, living in Brooklyn and I ended up striking up this conversation with these two guys. I had just come from a concert of a band that I was really into at the time. And they were like, where's a good place to eat? And I was like, well, honestly, I don't eat out, but like, you guys are welcome to come by, like I'll make some food. And they were kind of like, who's this guy? But they trusted me and went into my place. And like, I was living at the time in this big building, like these artist lofts. And at that point, like most of the people, I knew most of the people in the building, I was called like the mayor of this building. I just kind of like took over the building my door was always open. We were always having parties. People were always coming in. We were always cooking and jamming and just having a good time and really like providing a space for artists that weren't to be expressed, but maybe didn't have a lot of money and just like wanted to come hang out and eat some good food and play music and meet other people. So I invited them over and one guy was like really into food. Um, he never, he was never a cook, but he loved food and loved music. And he just really resonated with the place. He's like, this, there's something about this place that's amazing. I was like, you know, our neighbors are actually looking for a roommate. And at the time he was, he had gone to school for music. He was working at Apple and he was just not happy. Like he was living in Manhattan, spending a lot of money, living in this tiny apartment where like, if he literally drummed on his legs, like his neighbor would yell, you know, it was just like a bad situation. And suddenly he walks into this world where like we have these big lofts and like, 
playing music and having a good time. And within a month, he moved in next door, brought his whole drum kit, and his whole reality shifted. He was like, this, like, he still talks about that moment to me a lot, like how grateful he is for that experience. And now, like, he went from never cooking and loving food to coming over and we would play music together and then he would watch us cook. And now, like, I'd say in terms of, he's not Thai, but he's probably the best Thai chef. Like, he cooks the best Thai food in New York City. And not just, I don't just say that for my own bias, but he's created this incredible, basically 10-person dinner that they sell out instantly. And he does them, like, a few times a month. He's cooked for, like, Shaquille O'Neal and Bono, like, all these celebrities, like, everybody talks about, even most of his following are people that are Thai that are, like, you're teaching me everything about food. And, like, he studies with, like, the, the best Thai chefs in the world, and then he comes back and shares. And he's just so passionate about it. But he's not coming from a place of, like, my food's the best. In that sort of, like, ego mentality, he just genuinely loves, like, sharing this culture and, like, what he loves about the food and his music. And, it, yeah, so it's just an example of how, like, it all kind of comes full circle. And to me, it comes back to this resonance. Like, when you're creating a resonance, like, anything can happen. His experience, I don't attribute it to me. I'm not like, look what I did. But I'm just aware that, like, I'm here as a vessel. And if I can share something with somebody and, like, to see how they blossom, like, my friend, with the guitar that was having all these health issues to see like this beautiful flower come out of her that she didn't even know was there. Like I can't deny that like those moments I really cherish. That's such a beautiful story on so many levels. For me, the example of your friend shines a really important spotlight on receptivity in general. This kind of like goes into his court around like ask some person on the side of the street asking him to come over for dinner after they just went to a long show, right? Like shows are long experiences, they're probably tired, and that one yes decision completely changed the course of his life. You know, there's a lot of complexities and inner working things that goes into him changing his life, but like that yes or no is literally like two completely separate paths of reality. And the fact that he said yes is just like a shining example on the importance of staying open, staying receptive, and really like, you know, he probably felt that intuitive pull of like, I don't know what's resonating here, why I want to go over and have dinner after a long show, but like leaning into that, I think that story really speaks elegantly too. And then the idea that you brought up of the friend from New York who, you know, was able to completely revitalize her health through expression. I think is a idea I've thought a lot about and just like the healing element of expression. This kind of could circle back even to journaling a little bit, right? Expressing ourselves, really getting clear on the way that we're feeling and expressing those feelings becomes healing in a sense. Like, how do you see the relationship between expression and healing? Well, you know, when I used to think that, like when I played music or when I danced, that that was the only place I could be fully expressed. I felt like totally free on stage. I didn't associate that with that other parts of my life. It was kind of like, okay, that's my place where I can dress how I want, I can act how I want, and be how I want. And then I went through a few years ago, a big transformation, which ultimately led to me going through a divorce. And really, it was such a big moment. It was actually post ayahuasca. There was a few different things that had happened, but essentially I broke free of this like illusion of my identity in a way that I had before. Even though I felt like I was already clear and knew a lot of things, it was like, even my sexuality and my gender just disappeared and dissolved. And I realized that I was spending my life trying to be a certain person. And even though I had seen a lot of the character, I was like, I was still playing this character, right? 
of what society says male should be or what society says straight in a relationship, married, all these things. And none of those labels could define me that I was infinitely expansive. That, you know, gender, that male, female, and I think the same, just to shortly bring up all the things going on, and I don't want to say that I understand all the intricacies, but I think a lot of people are confused now. That's why you're having like non-binary and gender fluid and all these words are coming up now. Um, but it's like, I think I saw something recently I signed up for and there was like 40 options for gender. It's like, there's people don't know what to do. They're creating things. Cause it's like, well, I, I don't feel like male. I don't feel straight, but I also don't feel gay. And I'm like, I don't know what, you know, all these things. To me, it came back to very simply identity because anything that we think of as male or female, like if I go to the clothing store, there's a men, a men's section, a women's section. When I broke all this stuff open, I went shopping. And I was like, oh, I can shop anywhere. And sure, before I was like, well, like I, I, I can wear, like, wear these like leggings and they're women's leggings, but I can wear them like to a dance party, of course. But when I broke the mold of like, this is what men wear, this is what women wear, I just suddenly was like, what do I feel comfortable in? You know, I'm not saying I'm a woman or a man, I'm just like, what do I feel comfortable wearing? Because all the things were designed for fashion and for all this stuff, just like with shoes. So the more I became expressed in that space, I started to see how that trickled out into my life. So when I teach like a vocal workshop, I call it, you know, call it like yoga, the voice, awakening the voice, unlocking the voice, like really op- helping people open up their voice. I'm just activating someone. I had experience where we were living with someone for a month um, and it was during lockdown and I did this vocal workshop with her, just the two of us, and I'd take her through this whole process. And once she was done, I was like, it's not like, hey, I need to sign you up for 10 more sessions. I was like, you're, it's unlocked. Like your voice is unlocked now go use it. And then for the next week, she was just like singing, like she, it was, she went from literally, I'm shaking, I can't sing, to just singing all the time. So I like to use the voice as an example, because if I was raised in, to be timid, which I used to mumble, like as a kid, I mumble all the time, talked very quietly, you know, I, I kind of messed my words up and I just, just kind of, eh, eh, whatever. And when I started exploring the voice, I was like, oh, if I just move to a different city right now, I could start talking like this and this could be my voice. Hello. You know, and people could think that that's my voice. And I could literally keep doing that long enough and condition myself to speak like that. And when I hear singers, it's like, you listen to a singer and it's really interesting because we assume that a singer has a certain voice and they could be like, na 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 Or it can be, you know, like you, like you can do anything with your voice. So we might say, okay, that's that person's voice. It's super cool. Dave Matthews, for example, has like a really unique voice. But on some level, there's like a choice, right? And so to find our authentic voice, it's not necessarily that simple because there's so many possibilities for what we consider that to be. But when we start to tune into how our voice works, and what it means to express, we can start to express ourselves more clearly. Because there's a difference between being at work and asking your boss like, hey, you know what, I could really use a raise, to like having this full body, I've taken a breath, I'm comfortable, I'm looking you in the eyes and I'm expressing like my needs and my desires, they just land differently. And it's the same thing with singing, like you can sing and learn to sing and learn technique, it can be beautiful, or you can like really tune into your voice and just let it come out and let it sink when it wants to. That's where a lot of the improvisational stuff. I like to create a container 
where those things can happen, where people can feel comfortable enough that whatever's inside can actually come out. And once it comes out once, it's like, whoa, once you know you can do it, it doesn't mean it's just there all the time, but once you feel that you can do it, then you can start learning techniques or learning different ways to prime yourself. Um, but yeah, I think expression is really powerful when it comes to healing as a, as a form of medicine. Um, and to use the voice, not just with words, but with sound and with feelings, to share, to emote. There is a famous adage in the mental health space called expression is the opposite of depression. And however, I've only viewed that statement and adage through the lens of words and language and linguistic choices. Because obviously there is a field like NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and language is very fundamental. Of course, um, it is a selective battle and to see how you want to use that as. But nevertheless, I never considered expression through feelings and music and food and any other vehicles you choose to at that moment in time as part of the adage. So I really appreciate you for expanding my box and expanding my understanding. And in that note, I would like to go a little bit implicit and sort of go back to a question that I wanted to ask. And you gloss over this very briefly. You talked about you don't subscribe to the, any story you tell yourselves, right? Like a person will do something or you may do something that creates a story. Like obviously using this technique in the mental health space very beneficial is, oh, the story I tell myself is X, Y, and Z. And then you express your feelings, which is a very powerful technique and tactic you can use in a couple relationship or family relationship or whatever interpersonal dynamics. But the question I wanted to ask you about is the implicit, is you have this experiences and you have this cultivated intuition that to me sounds like you don't even go through the phase of oh the story i tell myself is you're so metacognitive that you stop yourself right before the story is even told like you stop yourself even before the story is even created but for those people who are listening even for us like i've been very being cognizant about the metacognition aspect in terms of catching my thought before my thought consumes my thinking right it's like whoa 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 what I just thought isn't necessarily true. There's no basis. It's not grounded. Oh, it's a fabricated story I just created in my internal life. I am practicing the ability to catch myself when that happens. Before you, it sounds like that step doesn't even happen because you're so in tune with self-expression to yourself or externally. So for people to be a little bit more tangible who don't quite is in your chapter in life, uh, how would you you know, provide your two cents and your feelings about how to work on addressing and maybe confronting those fabricated stories that we tell ourselves, whether it's by ourselves or from the others. Yeah, I mean, I will say that I'm definitely, I'm not someone who has it, like, it's just perfect all the time. Like, I do still have moments where those things creep in, but I'm able to catch myself way faster. And I think that's a thing to notice, like, when you kind of, become aware, it's a long process. I think like, and Jed talks about this a lot, like he talks about like the first step and like what like awakening is or what enlightenment is. We think about enlightenment, we look at gurus and they kind of give it a, a false concept of like, oh, when you're enlightened then suddenly you're like floating above the ground and you're smiling all the time and you're happy and nothing phases you. And like, we can reach these myth mystical states of consciousness for moments, whether through meditation or drugs or breath or whatever. But that enlightenment is actually very simple. It's just, it's just awareness. It's just like waking up to recognizing, oh, I'm this character that has this identity 
and like my whole life I've believed all these things and I have all these stories, but that's not true. And then you could spend 10, 20, however many years dissecting all those things, but from this new lens. There's no like end situation where you get to this place where you're just living in a state of bliss and nothing else matters. To me, that at least the way it's presented in spirituality is why no one ever really gets there. Most people don't get there is because they think they put people on a pedestal. The gurus on the pedestal, they're so perfect, they're so blissful, they would never harm a bug and make up all these stories about them. And then we're always chasing. We're always looking for more. There's always more work to do. And, and we create this sense of like, I'm, I'm broken. I always need to heal. Or something's wrong with me. And until I'm there, it's awesome. It's always going to be wrong with me. So I just need to be healing and healing. And healing work and growing and all these things are great. But I would say, make no mistake, like there's no end destination where everything is suddenly perfect. Just like with health, there's no place where like, you're just gonna always be in this perfect state of health because health is transient, it changes all the time. So don't try to hold on to it. Same with your thoughts, thoughts come up. I have the thoughts of chatter starts to come in, I start to have moments of worry. And then I've trained myself to be like, wait, hold on, hold up, it's not real. Like, cool, why is that coming up? What is it trying to tell you? It's like pain. Usually when pain comes up, it's signaling something. It's, it's, it's communicating with you. And if you can learn the language of what it's trying to say, which takes a lot of time, a lot of discernment, well, then you can start to make choices that might make more sense. So I don't want anyone to think out there that like there's some perfect place to get to or that I must never have any bad thoughts um, or you know confused thoughts or something. It's just that I allow them to be there. I recognize them as they come up. And then I move on and I'm not attached to them. I'm, I don't beat myself up for having certain thoughts like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking these things because I'm in this place now. It's like, hmm, I thought that, that's interesting. Why was I going there? What else is going on? Life is like, just because things are clear to me now and, and I can communicate with the universe and things make a lot more sense, there's still this great mystery and that's what keeps me going. Like this mystery and excitement for like, how's this gonna unfold? Like, I feel really clear on this thing, but like, what journey is it going to take me on? What am I going to discover? Just like with the barefoot thing. I couldn't have imagined, I thought maybe it was about running this marathon, but that was the smallest piece to the whole journey. And looking back, it's like, okay, yeah, I did it. For a little while, it was like, cool, like, whoa, I did that. Now it's just like a little tiny blip, which is no different than when I was jumping on rocks or dancing barefoot on, in the river, you know, it's like, that question you just asked, I think, is so, so powerful. It's, what could I discover through this? It's embodying that curiosity idea. Like, it's one thing to have thoughts of, oh, I don't know what this is going to be like, but I think for a lot of us, myself included from time to time, that uncertainty, that mystery can seem intimidating. It seems scary to jump into the unknown. But really, the, I guess, reframe that I'm sensing from your story is reframing that fear to curiosity of what could I discover, right? The discovery could be scary, but it also could change your life in numerous ways. Have you intentionally thought about this whole, I guess, process between psychology, mindset, or even spirituality? Have you thought about it in terms of curiosity? Or is that just kind of like an undertone that I might be sensing? I mean, I think being open is really important because the same thing, I don't it's almost contradicting to like be really clear, but also be really open to possibility. It's like mm -hmm. my clarity is a totality thing. Like I'm clear in the sense of like how I communicate with the world, but how it unfolds 
that ex- that's the exciting part. Like I'm still blown away. It's not like everything just makes sense now. So life is boring. It's like it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Like okay, I understand how this this communication thing works. How symbols and signs and and reading and and the universe is language. Cool. But then like when I when the actual thing happens, it's like I couldn't have imagined it going down that way. It's like it's kind of one of those like what are the chances that that would happen and that's super cool it's just mm-hmm. yeah it keeps being a reminder that everything is connected and that every single thing in your reality is like placed exactly there for you and that's another piece like no matter what situation you're in it's easy to look at someone else maybe from the outside someone's struggling to look at me and say well you know this person's got it figured out and they had these experiences and it's privilege and it's luck and all, all these different things but it's like when I first learned a bit about you know parkour, like mm-hmm. people that do parkour, it's like a very amazing type of movement where they're jumping off buildings and flipping. And and the guy who did this, um, we did this segment many years ago, and I had this show, and he did this like fifteen foot long jump. And he jumped from like one structure to another, and if he had fallen, it would have definitely been painful. And I was just like, how the hell did you do that? It was just like it just blew my mind that a human could jump that far. I was like, isn't it scary? And he's like, no, because before I did 15 feet, I did one foot and then two and then three and four. By the time I did that 15 foot jump, I was so comfortable doing 14 feet that like, it it was a little bit of an edge, but it wasn't a big deal. And it's like, that's kind of how I look at it. Like if you get too caught up in other people and how far they are, you're going to just always be like in the state of reaching. It's good to be inspired and just say like, whoa, that's, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could be barefoot and go running. I want to learn. But recognize like what might seem crazy from the outside. If somebody sees me running up a mountain barefoot, it might look crazy. Like I'm gonna hurt myself and all this stuff. I'm not stupid. I'm not gonna do something. I mean, I do take some risks, and sometimes things happen. But like, I keep myself in a safe position based on where I am. To the outside, it might seem wild and crazy, but for me, I know it's like I've taken these tiny little steps to get there. So if you can focus on that, if somebody can be a beacon of inspiration, like, oh, cool, you can go barefoot. Okay, now where do I start? I need to start really small. Maybe one day I'll get there, but don't try to like think that I have something that you don't have. Because these are all these little times, like the integration, right? Even with my voice, you know, the first time I opened and unlocked my voice was actually during a mushroom experience where like my voice opened up and something happened that is kind of unexplainable and I was able to sing any way I wanted to. Now when the mushrooms wore off, it didn't just, it wasn't just there, I was like set. But I saw that I could do it. I knew it was possible. It's like, I just sang last night in a way I've never sang before. So what are all the things that I need to do now in this totally sober state to find ways to get there? It took me years to develop a practice that I can then share with people. But once I knew it was possible, then I'm like, okay, cool. Let's start doing the work. Let's not try to get somewhere, but like appreciate the experience when you're in it. That's beautiful, man. I think with all of those things considered, do you think you'd be able to share some music with us? Maybe as a piece of inspiration for, you know, those listening that may think they're not musical or may not have a voice inside. Would you be willing to play something for us? Play a little song? Yeah. Yeah. Let me grab my main guitar.
dream Know you wanna take it slow And everything is changing I do not understand Uh, the clapping would be more thunderous, but I don't want to blow the mic out. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, example, man. Like a song that I, so like the everybody band, the songs I write are all repetitive chords. So I'm pretty much just playing the same chords over and over again, making little changes. But the idea is that I can write the root of a song and then it can become anything. So mm. the chorus might stay the same, but I usually improvise the verses and lyrics based on what I'm feeling. And then it allows other people to come and join in. So the whole inspiration with the Everybody Band is like, we're all musicians. Like, fade away this, I'm the musician, you're the listener. Like, it's all happening together. But 
do dancing, singing, playing drums. And I just pass out instruments and start playing. And you never know what's going to happen. And there's opportunities for amazing things to happen. Things might go wrong, and it's part of it. Sometimes, sometimes I'm kind of the one leading. Other times, somebody's there that's like this amazing musician, and they pick up the guitar, the guitar they play a song, and it's just happening. Um, but I try to keep things open because you can explore so, so, so much in that space. When the song isn't, like it has a heart and a rhythm to it, but it's still open for what wants to come through in the moment. First of all, I really appreciate you performing that on an impromptu last minute uh, cue. And I'm hearing about your music and your exceptional ability to switch just from performing straight to answering the question, right? With a few minutes gap. And I think that's a testimony and a proof to me at least is that music or your feelings or your expressive walks in the nature, anything we've discussed over the past two and a half hours, you truly live by them. Your ability to switch that means you weren't viewing your expressive outlet through music or your expressive outlet as answering your questions differently. You truly view them through the same lens, through the same vehicle. It's just a different outcome or you manifest differently. Because once again, I don't know that many people could just switch from performing into boom, let me continue answering the question that was unfinished as opposed before the music. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's so powerful. And yeah, it's, uh, I really appreciate it. I felt a sense of calmness, like you said, even though you're singing about a song that feels like you're a lifetime away, but I felt a lifetime closer to you. And I, like I said, I do truly, truly subscribe to the belief that music has a unifying power that only probably food has comparable to. So I really appreciate your expression. Yeah, of course. And yeah, food and music. I say good food, good music, good people. It's a great time. Like also in a sense, of course, like Aiden's curiosity of your performance led us to this amazing moment. Likewise, when I view your story is like the amount of times we use curiosity as a term on this show, we will be a millionaire if we had a cent for every curiosity we set. But once again, I have to really beat this dead horse here because like your curiosity was your redemption like back in your Brooklyn days right when you're feeling nihilistic when you're in this deep rest period where you're feeling like the meaning of life was escaping from you however your curiosity led us to pick up that bathroom reader about the Buddhism right which literally in a very very tangible sense saved your life it sounds like and right now, once again, when you have those encounters with these confused thoughts or these thoughts, you don't really know where they're coming from. You lean into your curiosity once more to see, oh, let's see where it takes me. No judgments, but let's see where it takes me through that open minded lens. And likewise, I just want to really, really highlight this for the people, uh, just like our favorite YouTube channel, uh, Yes Theory. Their entire ethos about the channel is about saying yes. And by saying yes, a simple gesture would open endless doors that you never even foresaw or even can envision. Likewise here, your ability to tap into curiosity and uphold curiosity has saved your life from your deep um, unrestful state and your depression back in Brooklyn days into now sharing this music across a Zoom screen with our listeners and of course with us. Um, so yeah, like everything you embody is truly, truly evidence and I really appreciate, like I'm so grateful for this space. Yeah. Likewise, I do know Yes Theory, like I've seen their stuff, just the Wim Hof thing mostly, but yeah, and saying yes to something is also saying no to something else, so I think it's equally important. It took me a long time to be comfortable with that, because it's like when you know what's right, 
least for someone like myself that grew up being more of a people pleaser, wanting everybody to feel good. Like my default is walk into a room, somebody, everyone's having a good time, one person's not, you know, if I'm teaching a workshop, my like old default was, what's wrong? How can I like fix, help, you know, whatever. And there can be something special to that, but also like in the sacrificing of my yes, that can diminish the light, you know? So learning how to say yes to life is big, but for me, it's almost more how to say no to things and to be okay with that, to trust and not just say yes, because I don't want to disappoint someone or risk them not liking me or something. Uh, but it is in the being open to that. Cause I think like we're always, I don't want to say it's like life's like a test or a game, but in a way, like, you can't lie to the universe. That's a big thing. Like, we're so clever, right, as humans. I say we, but I, I usually just mean myself. Like, it's so easy to be really clever and, like, like, have all these interesting ways to work around things. White lies, be deceitful to, like, scheme and figure out ways to, like, get around or convince this person or something we're not, but you can't lie to the universe, which is yourself. So no matter what twists and turns you make to try to like get through, that is always gonna come through in some way. So that's been a big thing for me because I used to, as a people pleaser, I would always tell white lies, hide things, because I thought, well, if I say this, it's gonna upset them and that's not worth it and I wanna be a good person and don't upset them, so it's okay. But like, there's a ripple effect of not being in resonance, not being in truth. And something that um, I was going to talk about a lot. It's like if you try to do something that's not when the more like you get into a field of resonance, if you try to do something that's out of resonance, it's like almost like you can't. Like I'll get sick or like, and the same thing with like I used to, be to eat McDonald's until I realized that it was like destroying me. Now like I smell it and I get sick. So there's like a thing of like my body is just so much more in tune now, so much more sensitive that it knows what's right and what's not right, and. Like, not to make it a dualistic thing, but to maybe to your point, it's not so much about right and wrong as about like, does it serve you or does it not? Again, appreciate you sharing with the music. I definitely didn't have an intention of asking you for songs today, but it came over me. It almost seems like you communicate more through music than word. Obviously very articulate and have a lot of amazing stories, but that music definitely spoke on kind of a different different frequency and then... There's a reason music is a universal language. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's like a reminder. I was saying before, you could be at a venue with 30,000 people and not know a single person, but feel a deep sense of connection to all of them somehow, because there is this resonating field that's like, whoa. And if I can be a bit of a steward for that, that's, that's great for me. And that's like, I mean, one, if there's one piece to add to this whole thing, it's like everybody has something here to share. Everybody has a gift, many gifts. And it took me a long time to be comfortable with the gifts that I had so that I could hone, make those gifts as wonderfully honed and clear as possible so that I could share them. Because that's the whole point of the gift is to share it. If I say I have a talent or a skill or a thing and it's mine, I attach meaning to it, well then it becomes this ego thing. And then it becomes about me giving it so that I can get something, you know, or me giving it so I can feel something, which, they might be side effects, but that's not the intention. So I spent a lot of my life trying to dim my light, to trying to keep my gifts under, you know, underwater so that I wouldn't upset someone else. I wouldn't ruffle someone else's feathers, make them jealous or competitive or whatever. And it's taken me a long time to realize, no, I have these gifts coming through me. 
they're coming from God, from the universe, whatever you want to call it, and they're here to share. And I think if everybody finds their resonance and recognizes what they're here to do, and they share that authentically, it's like we all seem to benefit. I know we try to be as holistically as possible and be as comprehensive as possible with your experiences since you embody so much. And there is an area we didn't really touch upon is YouTube. The arborist I shared earlier, he was the first one to truly tell us the inner workings of fame and what that YouTube life is like, right? Because once again, most population operate from the point of assumptions is, oh, like, I'm sure that's what it feels like. All famous, all these perks, all these access is amazing. But he really told us after recording ended because he's a friend of mine and he really, really was very vulnerable and very, very honest with us. And that's actually one of the reasons why we chose not to do a video for YouTube is we just wanted to be pure on audio, like podcast sense, rather than showing our faces and all these other, it's 100% gonna help us with the exposure, but you know, it's a lot of decision-making went through that. But with that being said, uh, how do you feel about talking about YouTube? YouTube was, to, to get into YouTube is great. I didn't expect it as, as anything, but when it was clear universally, because before even Brothers Green or any of this stuff, I was in deep into Buddhism and spirituality and things, and. and I thought that I had it figured out and I thought that I could go through this whole fame thing and then, you know, we got getting a show on MTV, traveling the world and cooking for artists and celebrities and like I thought that I figured something out that would be a really big asset. In a lot of ways it was, but I still had this deep connection to self that I was kind of unaware of. And I, I think I knew the words and I was using the words and saying the right things, but I had worked on some of those deeper parts of myself that were still keeping me in this state of fear. So when I first started YouTube, I felt very free because I didn't have any attachments to it. And I was just creating. My brother and I were friends and we're just making videos and having a good time, not thinking about like, oh, I'm gonna be famous. I never intended to or wanted to have a big show. Never in a million years, but that was not even like a, a thought, right? Um, but as we did it and as it started to grow, it felt good and it felt right. It's like, oh, I'm trying to make money doing this and I love it and it's fun and I feel very free in it. It was great. But as the numbers grow, suddenly I saw that cycle happen where it became about the number. It's like, oh, we've got 10,000 followers. When we get 50,000, whoa, imagine 50,000 people watching your channel and we're going to be in a good place. Then you hit 50 and it's like, well, what about if we could get to 500,000? Like somebody else, they have 500,000. That would be amazing. Then you get there. And by the time we hit a million, I was like, eh, I was like over it. Like I didn't even, it wasn't like this big milestone or celebration because I realized that the number has no intrinsic value. Same with like people, you talk to people like, I just want to make a million dollars. It's like, why? Like, well, it'd be a lot of money, this, that. It's like, what is this a million dollars, a million followers? Like what? that actually doesn't mean literally anything because I know channels that have small subscriber base but people are really loyal and they're really authentic and they're able to make a living and then I know people that have millions of followers that are struggling because they're stressed out and they don't have time and they're barely making any money because they're all invested in all these things and it's like now getting to reapproach YouTube I, I do a lot of consulting for people to like help them build you know authentic brands and, and how to express themselves authentically online and I also say, don't use my YouTube channel as like, a, don't look at it and like think that's what you should do. Maybe you want to, but like, I feel very free in sharing and creating content now. It took me a long time to get to this place where like, I literally don't think about anything I'm shooting. I'm just inspired in the moment. I turn my camera on, 
I record it and then I release it. Sometimes I don't release it. Sometimes I'm like, that one's just for a vault. No one should see them. But I just put it out and I just let it be out there because I've come to see that all I can do is be authentic. I'm not good at branding. I'm not good at trying to like hit points and say things. I just turn on go. And whatever comes out in that moment is what I will share. And that's like the closest I can come to using this YouTube thing as a portal for just pure expression. Because inherently there's a weirdness to technology that can mess with resonating fields. And the more you add, the more structure and production, it can be beautiful. And there's, I love watching incredible movies and films that put in time. But for the stuff that I'm trying to share, I don't want to add any bells and whistles because it's not about that. And I think that the content should always come first. Like if the content you're watching is good, I'm sure you've seen now in this day and age, production value doesn't actually matter that much. It can be like, I've seen things that the production value is everything, but we're so conditioned now to watch stuff on in movie theaters, on TVs, on phones, on computers. I think people running down the street with a shaky phone screaming, like we're, we're used to watching content that's highest quality and lowest quality. And there's a reason we're watching these diff- all these different ranges because like if, if something is engaging there, it's going to keep your attention. And that's not always a good thing. Not to say that all this stuff that people watch is good, but I find that like if I can just stay present with what I'm sharing, that that's really what matters. And like if I can engage somebody on just like the authentic moment of what I'm sharing, I'm more focused on that than trying to make sure the sound's perfect and the lighting's perfect and all these things. And I've learned enough to make it sound and look good enough that you know, going from being feeling free in YouTube and then to going to this place of like concern and I hit a point where I got very depressed because I was trying to like create what I thought the audience wanted. And I was like, why was it that a couple years ago I just did whatever I wanted and didn't care? And like my first viral video ever, how to live on three dollars a day, I was not thinking this is gonna be viral. But suddenly you're viral and then you get a taste of the good life of like the, you know, you're making more money and more engagement and then I started thinking can I make something else viral and can I make something else viral and then suddenly I'm losing actually my heart in that. So now when I create, I just love getting it, being able to share authentically and having no attachment to it, just letting it out. It's like going to the the bowel movement, just take, consume, release. Yeah, that concept of release when it comes to content creation, I feel is so freeing as someone who writes often and finds myself caught in writer's block from time to time. I think anytime I am experiencing writer's block, it is often rooted in that what will other people think or the, I guess, concern for the external rather than just um, reflecting whatever's going on internally. So I was wondering if you could kind of just speak to that process a little bit. Like you do mention the release and the authenticity that shines through, but are there any like questions or intentions that you may set ahead of time? Uh, It seems like your content strikes a balance of both education, inspiration, and entertainment. People wouldn't be compelled to tune in if something was educational but not entertaining, but I find it's like kind of that cohesion between those different ideas of capturing attention but also helping people in their respective lives, educating around a topic that you find fulfilling and or might benefit them in their own lives. But just how do you think about it from an intention standpoint? It seems like once you get on the mics, you kind of let it flow out. But is there any like work ahead of time that you kind of 
try and lean into or set before creating something for other people to consume? Now, um, when I create, um, and I'll talk about books, I mean, it's the same process with videos in a sense, but when I write, the fastest book that I've ever written from start to published was The Walking Barefoot With Your Best Friend. It took me five days, start, start to publish, right? And at the time before that, it was more like three months, but I can write very quickly. And when I write my first draft of a book, it's, it's fast. Even Conversation With Your Best Friend, like, it just comes out and it could be 10 days of just fully channeled like and then there's a refinement process i've gotten good at the refinement process so i could do barefoot book really quickly but i've talked to a lot of writers and, and the first time i went to a writing first and only time i ever went to like a writing group i was in new york and i was like oh i should like i just wrote my first book and i had written this like sci-fi kind of philosophical romance dystopian thing um that was the first book i wrote it's like a three-part series and I just wrote the first book and we were in, the, I was in this writer's group and all these writers were way better writers than I was, you know, they, I wasn't claiming to be good, I just enjoyed it. And they were very like deeply ingrained in how things should be and like you need to have this and that and they were going over like these notes and these ideas. And at the end I was talking to the main guy leading the group and I'm like, so how many books have you written? He was like, none. Like, what do you mean? Um, like, I have been, you know, I have a couple things I'm working on and, and and he asked me if I had tried writing it, and I just pulled out my book, and I was like, I just wrote this book. He's like, what? What? Public? What? Like, he was, like, shocked. And it was just this reminder that, like, there's so many different things that we can get caught up on. The idea of writer's block. I don't have, I, since I've learned to get to this state, I've never had writer's block, because writer's block is the ego thinking and judging. So when I sit down to write, I never look back at what I write until it's done. So if I'm sitting, I'm writing a book, to me, it's like, I'm just writing, right? I don't look back at any of the words because the minute I start to look back at judgment, editing, it breaks the creative flow. I just release it all. And the hard part about writing a book or making content isn't the making of the content or writing the book, it's the living. Right? So when you're like living your life, that's where the challenges happen. When I'm writing, I'm just shedding all the things that have happened to me in my life. Not attached to them, not saying this is, if I write a book saying this is my belief and if you read this and you agree with me, you respect all these things that ego wants, I will have all these blocks. But I'm not writing a book saying this is what I believe, I'm writing a book saying this was my experience and I'm just letting it go. And then you can take it and do whatever you want with it. Because you're going to do whatever you want with it anyway, no matter how hard I try. I used to do with YouTube, with Brothers Green, I tried everything. Like You get comments, people say worse stuff, right? So do anything that I could when I started to become more insecure about it to like avoid those comments like now I know what you're thinking you're gonna say like I would call out like what they might comment or I would say all the things to make sure and then I would still get the same comments because a most people don't even pay attention they would miss me saying that well you didn't talk about this I'm like well I did you just didn't hear me say it you know or whatever it was so I can't control somebody's experience or what stories they make up about my books or my content all I can do is just share it authentically in the moment, share something that I'm experiencing, not saying I'm the expert, but like, this is what I noticed. So it's very free form now, anything I do. Once again, you're confronting your own judgment and shedding those masks, even though each mask represents a different reality, but you just want to get to the core of your layer, uh, which is amazing. Yeah, so as we're beginning to wrap up here, I think we'd like to move into the question that we pose to all of our guests. 
And this is giving you the opportunity to step up on a, say, mentorship stool and provide some insights to people trying to go out and live healthy and authentic lives. The idea of a mentorship program has been especially impactful in our own lives, and we'd love to give you the opportunity to either give a small speech, maybe hold up a signpost, but a few ideas that come up for you that are important for people in the young 20s trying to figure out themselves in the world that you would like to leave them with. First off, and I mentioned this before, but figure out who you are before you do anything. And I know there's responsibilities, and I'm not saying just to drop everything. Some people might want to be radical and move to the mountains or go to a monastery or whatever, but it doesn't have to happen that way. But dedicate your time to really getting clear on who you are outside of all the fears, outside of all the judgments and all the pressures of other people. Maybe those things will you'll recognize are real for you and maybe they're things you have to confront, but at least be willing to look at them first. At least be willing to journal and to write and to figure out what is it that you were told that maybe isn't serving you anymore. Because it's in that that you start to uncover who you actually are. So look at what your parents told you to believe. If you have a belief, be willing to analyze it, be willing to look at it. Be willing to challenge the fact that it might not be real and it might be holding you back. If you spend months and years or whatever and you really dive into something and it turns out it feels good and resonates, cool. But if there's a crack, you start seeing the crack and then the house falls down, know that that's okay too. And it can be scary to have to rebuild your life from the ground up, but if it was built on a crappy foundation, it's worth it. And be kind with yourself, be gentle. Sometimes it's gonna feel like war, you know, and that's okay too. We don't need to like avoid that or bypass that or whatever it can be in that experience. And coupled with that also, it doesn't help to blame other people for your situation. It doesn't mean that you are responsible for where you're at or what you're thinking, but we don't have to blame other people. We can take responsibility without being responsible for, whoa, because when you wake up, it's like, whoa, I'm this human all these crazy experiences however weird or messed up or traumatic or scary and that sucks but I can do something about it from this state so there's a way to take responsibility for your life without feeling like responsible or like I, I screwed up I'm bad I messed up or they messed up it's there's no it doesn't have to be a victim in in this scenario um, and that's where empowerment starts to come in because you can actually empower yourself to be responsible to be like whoa life is amazing and it's, I can be over here trying to explain to someone that's over there that life's amazing and, and you can look at me and think that, well, it's just worked out for you. But all these things that I've experienced have been because I've dedicated my life to this stuff. Number one, for anything else, you know, just because I had successful career stuff, that is all side effect of this number one thing of looking at what really makes sense, what is real, what am I here to do? Figure out what you're here to do, what lights you up, you know, what feels really right, and just start pulling on the thread and explore it. Yeah, very, very grateful for those insightful and very, very important um, recognitions and lessons of life. And we definitely like to, you know, echo that and encourage people to once again, like, remove the judgments, right? Like, there are many layers to be peeled, but I do think the most important layer to be peeled first is the self-judgment which is like you alluded so beautifully, that is ultimately holding your true self back. Because how can we work on our true sense of self if we're predicated on a false sense of self that you started this episode with? 
Um, yeah, that's that's absolutely beautifully amazingly said. And you know, like this is our I guess a post red carpet moment to roll out for you. And I know, just like you said it so powerfully, that gave us a, both a full stop when we watched your post marathon video about you're like yeah this is a beautiful trail but kind of painful because all the rocks but it doesn't really matter because i'm not really here for the minute mark it took me seven hours but i'm here just to experience um, likewise i understand you just wanting to be the beacon of light like you talked about to instill some inspirations and hopefully to catalyze some changes in an unexpected way but even with that being said we'd love to roll out this red carpet for you to share your information your projects that you're working on uh, and how just people can connect with you outside of the uh, podcast. I mean, you enjoy life. It's easiest when I'm like running by someone on the trail and they're like, oh, you're barefoot. Like, oh, okay, just check out you enjoy life. That's the easiest way you search that. It's Instagram, you barefoot stuff, a lot of mindful eating, life, I just everything. Um, by the way, if you go to my website, it's Yell Music, Y E L, you enjoy life. So, Y E L Music.com. Um, most of my books I'm just giving away for free on there, like downloads. So you'll see there's like a barefoot section, uh, conversations, a cooking um, for those three books. Um, and you can also get in contact with me through any of those media. Um, yeah, and my, my hope is that I've shared enough in those different spaces that most of your questions will be answered. I do do mentorship and stuff like that for people, um, but my goal is to create enough like free available content because I really believe this is stuff that like anyone can have a relationship with and this is just like base level things. It's like the stuff that I wish we were taught in high school and college that we weren't taught. So it seems like it's base level, like learn this stuff first, about how to be a human, you know, and then do all the other stuff. Um, yeah, so I just like to share that. Amazing, man. Yeah, thank you. We will be sure to mention all of the things that you just mentioned within our show notes to make sure people can have access to them. We'd highly encourage checking them out. I know personally I'll be reading some of your books for sure. I'm excited to dive in um, and really just want to acknowledge you for the energy and the wisdom that you brought today. It's been, like Benoit said, one of my favorite interviews to date. So we really, really appreciate you making the time today. Yeah. Um, and I just want to make a quick notion that like Aiden and I, we used to riff uh, offline before we even had this podcast. Like the idea of you're an entire human being every single day when you wake up, in spite of all the trauma experiences, good or bad, like every single day when you wake up, you have to make a conscious decision that, you know what, I'm going to be a good human today. But you have to make that decision every single day in endless like iterations. And that's so profound for me. I was like, oh, my past doesn't dictate my future or my, even my present. I have the power and the ownership and the responsibility to take and tackle each day as a new, which is your message home. And we would like to conclude this episode by asking you the one last question that we ask all our guests is as it's a two layer question as the guest of this week with such an inspirational and empowering message. Um, we would like to challenge you first to discover more something about in alignment with our ethos of the podcast is what is an area in your life that you've been thinking about, pondering, that you'd like to discover more about being the guest of this week? And secondly, what is an area that you'd like to challenge our listeners to discover more about in their respective lives after listening to this powerful episode with you? I've been really deep into growing food these past few years, but it's still fairly new. And I'm always learning new things. They say like, the more you know, the less you know. 
so I'm in that state of really understanding like the impact that the way I consume food has on the planet and also what I can do to connect to Mother Nature deeper to be able to have a more profound impact. So that's something I like to discover more and also challenge the audience to look at what is your relationship right now to Mother Nature and is there something small that you can do to just start tuning in a little bit to see what might ripple out from that. Once again, another mic draw moment. And like I said, I like to echo what Aiden said. Once again, the almost gratitude both online and offline. And I really appreciate that you're in this space that allowed us to cross path. And when I reached out to you via Instagram, you were extremely gracious and generous enough to respond. And I think it's that the power of receptivity, right, that we alluded to throughout this episode. And like I said, uh, not just for you, but for even for us, for the curiosity to reach out and obviously it came to fruition with your responses and now three hours later on the other side we're having i don't know how many topics we talked about but it sounds like 14 and it sounds like there's a lot of depth and width into what we discussed um, and to all the listeners if you have made it to this far we really appreciate you for listening and we thank you for discovering more with us this week and as always we hope to see you again next time thank you for listening Thank you for listening to another episode of Discover More. We release a new episode every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And would really appreciate if you have subscribed and shared this with your friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next week in the journey of discovering more through intentional dialogues.